You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Dave's Corner Garage. Heard every Saturday morning from 10 to 11 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Buckle up, everyone. It's time to get this show on the road. Time for Dave's Corner Garage, your Saturday morning joyride on Zoomer Radio. Got a car question for Dave or Alan? Call now, 416-360-0740. Or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. Okay, Al, go ahead and hit it. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome. It's Dave's Corner Garage, and we made it through another week of Mondays. Every day in our house is Monday, then it turns to Monday. Why did they pick Monday? Because, you know, it goes with that song, I don't like Mondays. I don't like Mondays. Sorry, you broke my earphone. (laughs) All righty. we got a great lineup this morning. Uh, Joining us today will be Carrie Schmidt from the OPP. We'll be talking about uh, actually wheels and tires coming off cars still. Loose nuts. Loose nuts. Let's talk about that. Mike Kent is going to join us from Right Hand Drive. Right Hand Drive is a company that imports vehicles from Asia, China, Japan, and the steering wheel is on the wrong side. You may wonder, why would you buy a car like that? Why would you buy a car like that? We're going to find out. And apparently there's a tremendous market for this kind of stuff. And we're going to talk to Elliot Silverstein from the CAA. And my favorite topic, my pace, which we're going to talk about insurance where we... Where you actually use use the insurance, pay for it as you use it, rather than how bad you behave. Right, so that would be talking. sort of at your pace. Yeah. At whatever your pace is. Now, if you've got a question, you yeah. please call in or you email us at davescornergarage.com. There's a, a page there that says contact, and you can easily reach us. So, having said all that, we're ready to talk with Mr. Kerry Schmidt. Right after this break. Mm-hmm. Oh, or is he here now? Okay, hello, Kerry Schmidt. I am right here. How are you guys doing? Any Very day, good. Yeah, our philosophy is any day you wake up, it's obviously a good day. It, it's a good day. What? It's a weekend. It's a holiday weekend, and spring is in the air. The sun is shining. What uh, better than to uh, get out and go for a cruise or yeah, yeah. tidy up around the house or who knows? Maybe you're going to be changing your wheels. <laughs> Do you find that it's quieter in the roadway? Do you know what? Well, there was a wreck last night that I was uh, driving through, and the traffic got slowed down. I couldn't figure out why traffic was jammed, and uh, ended up in a fender bender on the other side of the highway. But of course, everyone's nice slowing to look. See it, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, we have seen actually a reduction in overall crashes. Uh, not the similar ratio of re- reduction in number of fatalities, so that's kind of uh, disappointing. Uh, there has been high speeds and less traffic, which can result in higher higher substantial injuries as yeah. well. So that has been one issue that we've had to uh, attend to. But, you know, we're still out there uh, doing what we can to uh, educate and engage and connect and, and enforce those rules of the road that uh, are so frustrating when people uh, are uh, taking liberties and putting everybody else at risk, too. You know, Dave wanted to ask you just before we go to break, did you get vaccinated? I did, yes. Perfect. Uh, I've only got my first shot in, so yeah. I'm waiting for my second shot. But, uh, yeah, I was fortunate enough to be able to uh, get my, uh, my vaccine and uh, grateful for that. So. There you go. But if you want the second one, you've got to go to the LCBO because it's the only place where you can get a second shot right now. Or free booze. Yeah. There you go. And then you really won't care. Just get off the highways. Carrie, stand by. We're going to talk to you right after the break. 
Ladies and gentlemen, if you've got a car care question, you're welcome to give us a call. And uh, that's about it. We're going to be right back after these messages. Welcome back. My name is Alan Gelman. Beside me is the big guy, Dave Redinger. Thanks. Not that big anymore. I lost a lot of weight. You're looking quite svelte, as a matter svelte. of fact. <laughs> Very svelte. And looking uh, trim and, and handsome as well, what regular. Well, I noticed, I had to get all my pants taken in. <laughs> well, that's good. <laughs> Carrie Schmidt is with us from the OPP. Carrie, we had an incident where a wheel came off a guy's car and destroyed some other vehicle. Well, we've had lots of those incidences, but the one that was on last week that uh, I was actually at that scene was unbelievably uh, fortunate for that driver to escape without injury. The uh, the driver, I spoke to her on the side of the road. She was uh, you know driving along Highway 401, just going by Pearson Airport, and uh, all of a sudden she sees this thing bouncing in front of her, doesn't really wow. recognize what it is, and uh, and sees it coming in on a collision course right to her windshield. Uh, she tried to move. She had nowhere to go. She looked away. She closed her eyes, and boom, it was over. And uh, she thought that was it for her. Yeah, I bet you could have a multi-vehicle collision in, in no time at all, eh? Oh, absolutely. If, if she would have swerved to avoid or, or lost control or who knows what could have happened, it really could have been... Uh, an absolute tragedy, and uh, and then we get to the scene, and sure enough, there's another vehicle on the other side of the highway missing a wheel, and uh, wow. the missing looks just like the one uh, that is uh, actually just behind the vehicle that got uh, got, got clipped here on the 401. So. The, were, uh, were they going in that d- different directions, or yeah, yeah, they, they were? Yeah. Eh, there was a little uh, little Honda CRV going eastbound, mm-hmm. lost its uh, front left wheel and tire assembly came bouncing off the highway, went over that four-foot concrete wall that separates, and, uh, and the woman, obviously, the only one who saw it, uh, said it was, it was high in the sky. Like, I don't know what launched it or how it got that kind of elevation, but something got it going, and it was uh, coming down straight for her, and it, it was just a matter of inches. Now, Carrie, when you guys went to investigate, you went over to that CRV with yep. the missing wheel, and you went to look at it. Yep. I mean, obviously, you saw there was only one. There was only three wheels on the car, but you went and checked the nuts on the car. And what did yep. you find? Yeah, check your nuts. The uh, we we used uh, our, our commercial vehicle guys, the torque wrenches and so on, just to see what these fasteners that were still on the uh, remaining wheels were at, and they were all loose. They weren't finger loose, but they were they were certainly not too, uh, tool uh, tool tight. Uh, they had about thirty pounds of pressure on it, and if you know what thirty pounds is, that's nothing. No, no, not at all. People don't yeah. realize that if you do change your tires, I think it's two hundred kilometers. You have to yeah. come back and retorque them. Yeah, my owner's manual actually in my vehicle uh, says within a hundred kilometers. Uh, I just tell people, you know, within the day, go around the block, just do basically just get those wheels set, put some uh, yeah. put some turns on them, make sure there's no debris that they weren't uh, misaligned when they were clamped down. Because if there's a, a little bit of uh, angle and you feel that the nuts the nuts are tight. The uh, the moment you start driving and go left and right, it's going to uh, find its way straight and true. And whatever clamping pressure you had on those fasteners is going to be gone. And that's likely what happened. The the scary thing is that that vehicle was going around with four loose wheels. Exactly. You know. I was going to say that it's more sophisticated than that now. Some wheels are tight and wet, 
You have to put a drop of oil on the nut to tighten it and get the torque. Others don't. So you have to really look at your owner's manual to see what specification is required to put those wheels on. Yeah, or, or get the expert to do it. That's, uh, that's where you come in, right? Yeah. And uh, I went, I, I had uh, mine done as well, and I went back the next day, and I uh, had the, the mechanic uh, go around, retorque the wheels. It, it takes two minutes. It's not a big deal. Pull the hubcaps, or maybe your fasteners are exposed, and just walk around and get them all tightened up. And that is, uh, you know, give you that little bit of assurance that they're proper. And they were proper. Nothing had to be retightened. So, you know, as long as it's done right in the first place, you shouldn't have a problem. But, you know, the best practice is to go back and, and double-check. Because even this uh, driver from last week who had it done ha- actually ha- reported that they had it done at a shop. And I don't know which shop, but wow. that's, uh, that's so important. If there's any mechanics out there listening, you know, the responsibility on you to make sure that whatever leaves your shop is uh, safe for the road is so vitally important. So this charge would be probably criminal negligence if there's a... There, if, you know, if there was a fatality, yeah. uh, certainly there'd be all kinds of civil implications. Now, in this case, obviously the driver is the one who's responsible for their, the operation of their vehicle. and They didn't know, but you know they become ultimately liable when uh, something like this happens. And so... Mm-hmm. In a passenger vehicle, you know, they were charged with uh, detached parts, which is kind of a strange worded uh, name. But, you know, when parts come off your vehicle, you're liable for that. But the one point I want to make is, you know, from uh, not that there's any excuses at all, but I I can tell you that I have driven vehicles that had loose wheels. And, you know, it sounds like there's something terribly wrong. Mm -hmm. Point is, is that, you know, if you've had your wheels done, it's the next day or two days later and, and you feel something. You know, yep. whether, whether you, you feel a vibration or, or you, f- you hear a clunking noise or anything like that, don't hesitate. You know, pull over to the side of the road, check them yourself, mm-hmm. or if you're close enough to the shop that did it, just go back. Because, like I say, you know, if a wheel is loose, as you were talking, um, it, it doesn't fall off immediately, <laughs> okay? Like, in, in, in fact, when you probably got to this car where they had a missing wheel, there was probably only two wheel nuts left. So, in other words, the other ones had fallen off miles prior when at that point i'm sure there was tons of noise i mean dave you do investigations isn't that the case yeah and usually you have the threads are usually all damaged or you see the the holes are elongated exactly. in the wheel the holes I are mean, elongated that but but that happened over a period of time it didn't happen just overnight so if something feels bad by all means go back and check it out carrie hey. thank you for joining us hey my pleasure have yourself an awesome uh, evening and day wherever it takes you and uh, be cool out there well we got to stay you. home you know, like i said to my wife what are you doing today she's like i can't go anywhere i gotta stay yeah. home yeah, that's where I am right now. Lock her down. <laughs> Have Thank yourself you so a great weekend. Thanks for joining us. All right, ladies and gentlemen, after the break, we're going to be talking to uh, Mike, Mike, Kent. Mike Kent. And he's going to tell us all about right-hand drive vehicles. You wonder what? Why do you want a right one? Right is right. Left is left. And never the twain <laughs> shall be. All right, we'll be right back. <laughs> Okay, we're back, and uh, joining us today will be Mike Kent, and Mike is from Right Hand Drive. This is a company out in Pickering that imports vehicles from, I guess, Mike, from Japan? You got it, Japan and uh, England, and anywhere else they drive Right Hand Drive or specialty vehicles. You know, it's absolutely amazing that they still do. I mean, the whole world drives on the left side. 
Yeah, there's there's a big chunk that still has right-hand drive. I mean, that's not really the novelty of what we do, Dave. I think you've seen our uh, our, our place there. Yeah. We, we really are, you know, um, moving over, uh, you know, the classic car marketplace, uh, you know, is it, really shifting. I mean, that's that's the real um, that's the real crux of it. We've got, you know, whereas Hemi Kudas and, and, and Mustangs and all the amazing muscle cars from the um, late 60s and early 70s era, you know, now are becoming uh, just, you know, a little bit more antiquated and there's a new wave of kind of classic car coming out and that's that's the market that we um, that we like to position Yeah, tell us for. about that. You were talking earlier when we were in the green room about a car that was evaluating 300%. Yeah, so again, it, this is historically, I think if you're a car collector or if you've researched car collection, um, you'll see that there are trends in the industry um, and, and they don't stop. What somebody um, is driving today, you know, could be a collectible, that kind of rare blue diamond collectible, um, you know, tomorrow. And we're seeing that specifically with Nissan product and Toyota product, uh, specifically the Toyota Supra or the Nissan Skyline GTR. Um, you know, this is a car that uh, really has, like the Skyline GTR has gone up about 300, 350% um, from where it was 10 years ago. Uh, so when you look at that from an investment standpoint, um, you know, diversifying yourself into an asset that you can touch, hold, sometimes drive, uh, it, puts, it puts a ton of smile on your face, more so than a painting would, and, and you can drive it. Um, you know, it, it really puts the purchasing of a, of a high-end car like that into a different perspective. Absolutely. A friend of mine had run his own hedge fund, and he said, you know, you can look at the stock market and hope it goes up or whatever, but, but at least with a car, you can drive it. You can have some fun in the meantime. Absolutely. Now, question, you talked about the skyline. I mean, that's something that most people wouldn't be familiar with it. What's the skyline look like? Sure. So the Skyline was, uh, you know, started its life under the Prince moniker, uh, uh, you know, before Nissan, uh, uh, but didn't really start its racing until uh, uh, until the late 60s, early 70s, mm-hmm. um, when Nissan started supporting, uh, you know, the Prince Skyline and made a GTR version. And this was a, a, a lightweight coupe, um, you know, with an inline six two liter uh, with Webers. And it was it was just fantastic and it started winning races just left right and center in 1970 1971 now was that uh, the similar engine that they would have used in the, the 280 or 300z kind of thing uh, yeah it was the, it was the predecessor it was the l20 so where you mm-hmm. have the l28 and like the later 280s and uh you know it was it was the pre- predecessor actually the gtr version had an s20 motor um it was again kind of a race back in the 70s let's go show the germans that the 911s you know don't need to dominate every single track type of car um so as it progressed you know nissan held that gtr and it, it held I believe the GTR, like the S20 power GTR, won every single race, uh, every single JGT wow. uh, race, yeah, in like 1970 or 71. So I guess so for it, the most part, these were vehicles that we could never bring into North America, right? Absolutely. As the GTR moniker changed, it wasn't until 2008 when we were allowed to bring in the R35, just known as the GTR. Um, so this R35 uh, is really, it's, it's the skyline. Um, and in, in Japan, there are many predecessors to what we call the Nissan and GTR that you can get in North America. So Mike, how does it work? I mean, like, um, you, you go to Japan to, buy, to look at these cars, or you have yeah. contacts there? Or, I mean, let's say I want a, uh, I want a Honda, something fancy. What do I, how does it work? 
Yeah, so where where this used to be, I think 15 years ago, is you kind of had a couple guys who knew a couple guys, and they were kind of on the inside. Uh, we've expanded our business to be uh, uh, treating the car as if you were buying a new car. So um, you've got all the guarantees, warranties, financing, and leasing available uh, to go and select a classic car from anywhere around the world. We've got our own team in Japan uh, and our own team in England. So let's say there was a special Jaguar you were looking for, a, a fantastic Nissan or Toyota, something you wanted to add to the collection, uh, and, and you had any type of budget, you'd work with one of our sales team, and they'd, they'd send you different examples that could match what you're looking for. And we, we take a very bespoke approach, uh, even though we've got you know 30 team members and a, and, a, and a great big facility that we'd love you to come visit in Pickering, uh, anybody who's listening, um, you know... You could see all of this stuff and touch it and feel it, but we can order it for you, deliver it right to your door, and, and we've really globalized the kind of auto purchasing um, ability. So you shouldn't be intimidated anymore about getting something from overseas. We'll make sure that it comes, arrives, safety, ready for the road, shipped to your door, and exactly the way that you wanted it. Any negativity uh, because it's right-hand drive? None. I'd say give it a shot. Come in, test drive something, see what you think. Um, really, the right-hand drive isn't as much of the novelty as the limited production number runs of the particular car. Um, you know, but uh, I, I, maybe Tim Hortons drive-thrus. How about that? You know, yeah. through the drive-thru. So, and Mike, roughly... Go in reverse. Go in reverse. <laughs> Mike, roughly, how many cars would you have actually in inventory right now? At any time, we, we have between 40 and 80 cars uh, on the lot that you can come and wow. see. All right, super. So quite a yeah. selection. All right, the website is www.rightdrive.ca. Yes, sir. There you go. Okay. We, you wanna... we run out of time. That's the reality. You also have, so the cars are, uh, we can view them on your site as well then, correct? Absolutely. Go online. You can follow us on all the regular social media channels. Come down. You can take a ride in anything from a $10,000 convertible to a $300,000, you know, Nissan. There you go. Just tell them Dave sent you. Mike, thank you very much for joining us. Have a great weekend. Thanks, guys. Fascinating well. stuff. Fascinating stuff. Alrighty. When we come back, we've got some emails that we've got to address. All righty, we're back. We welcome Triangle Tires. I've already talked to those folks. Uh, these are called Tires for Life. And uh, this stuff is, uh, again, like Salem, uh, these tires are, I guess, price-worthy. Mm-hmm. Price-worthy is a good name. Anyways, we've got a couple of questions we're going to talk about. First off, we have an email from a fellow that says, I have a 2017 Jeep and I want to upgrade the headlights. Go ahead, Al. What does he do? Well, what I would go see a professional, to be honest with you. As much okay. as you can go to the local <clears throat> store and just buy something and put it in, what you have to be concerned about is a number of things. Uh, you have to be concerned about, is your car's electrical system able to handle that extra load? Yes, correct. Because a higher wattage light bulb is going to draw more electrical power. Um, so you really want to know that you're not overloading the, the wiring system because you can burn out the sockets, you can burn out the wires, you can burn out the headlight switch. All going to be very costly. The other thing is, too, um, a lot of times people, when they're putting them in, they're not really sure of how to do it. So they start screwing all kinds of screws, um, some of them being the, the actual adjusting screws. Okay. And, and then what they've done is they've, they've finally got the bulb back in, except now it's not pointed down the road anymore. <laughs> it's pointed across the street, up in the air. So you want to have this work done by a professional. And so, again, um, as, as much as the, the guys selling you this stuff will tell you it's, it's plug and play, it's, it really is plug and pray. So do your best to find out. I like out. that. That's you a like nice that? way of saying that. <laughs> so the reality is uh, 55 watts is the legal limit uh, of the bulb, and you can put in uh, uh, diodes, I guess, 
LED LEDs. Yeah, but right. again, you got to make sure they're adjusted properly. As a matter of fact, they just did a thing on Marketplace where people were complaining about you know, the headlights being too strong, and they found out at least half of them on the road weren't adjusted properly. Weren't adjustable. Yeah. I have a Toyota a Supra, and it's being recalled because the headlights, there's something wrong with the installation of the headlights, and this car just come out of the box. Wow, really? So, uh, yeah, it can happen. Uh, next question we have is, uh, I have a Honda Civic. Whenever the engine is cold and starts up, there is a knocking sound. After about five minutes, the engine sounds fine. In the past, the dealership has adjusted the valves, but the knocking noise continues. Any ideas? Um, well, I'd like to know how many Ks are, how many kilometers are on the yeah, car. That, that would help, or how often they did change the oil. Uh, when we see engine wear, you know, premature engine wear happen, it usually ends up on a vehicle that wasn't maintained properly, you know, where they didn't change the you oil. Yeah, you're right. I'm or thinking, ran out of oil. Yeah. No, I'm thinking pistons. You think so? Yeah. I'm just reading this, I'm thinking that as it warms up, the piston expands and the noise goes away. Right, exactly. So the reality is the cars probably need no motor. It could possibly be. I mean, the good part is it eventually goes away, so... Uh, you know, who long, it, it's really hard to determine how, how long that car has yes. or the, how long the engine has. But even if it does need a motor, you often say do an audit on the vehicle. In other words, yeah. first of all, look at what the value of the car is and then look at what the car is going to need in the, next, in the near future. Um, so, again, if the car's value is only $2,000, it really doesn't pay to spend $4,000 to have a motor put in. What's the limit? How much would you spend on a car to keep it alive? Depends on how much I, I love the car. I mean, if yeah. otherwise, if you find that the car otherwise brakes are good, tires are good, suspension is good, the body's good. Let's say you've, you've gone to Crown, you've yeah. taken care of it. Um, why wouldn't you want to spend four or five thousand dollars? It's cheaper than paying off a thirty thousand dollar loan, isn't it? It's correct. Actually, and the that's usually car. the number where we use, where we just say, "How much are you paying a month in repairs?" As opposed versus. to. Versus a, a lease or a or Well, purchase. they're saying the average car is now around $25,000. Uh, sorry, um, $40,000. Right. So it's the average car is now $40,000. So there you go. And right? especially nowadays, you, you know, if people are in a... It, it, the, the economy and everything is in, in such a, a turmoil because of COVID, uh, where people don't even know how long their, their jobs are going to exist or whether they're going to get yeah, raises. Yeah. So why would you want to get involved in a, a huge well, long-time lease or, or loan? Because some people want, want the, the latest and the greatest, and so they're willing to uh, you know, move up and pay. <laughs> yeah, uh, let's do that, and then I can't go anywhere anyway. <laughs> <laughs> All right, last question we yeah. got is, uh, I've always wanted to know, is bird poop bad for your car's finish? <laughs> It, well, it, yes. As a matter of fact, it, it will. A lot of times it can be acidic, and it can eat through the yes. paint. And then when you try to eventually remove it, you may get the top layer off, but you could find that it's actually gone right through the clear coat and into the paint itself. So you want to get rid of that. So if your car's got bird poop on it, get it off right away. Besides, it looks like hell. Why would you want to continue driving a car like that? <laughs> I can't. Well, I, 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 the weather report said it was going <laughs> to rain the next day, but it didn't, you know. And Well, you know what? I've never washed some of my cars. I've never washed. They just stay clean. Well, you know what? I we I knew a guy years ago, and whenever a snow would happen, he said, "The Lord put it there. I let the Lord take it away." Okay, uh, I'm not going to go out and shovel. It'll eventually get it'll get warm up. Okay, last question I have is: uh, We have a Buick uh, Century, and it sits for four or five days, and it goes dead. Uh, we have to boost the car to start. Mm -hmm. Any idea what could be wrong with it? You're not driving it often enough would be the first answer because yeah, I think you're you know right. there are is a parasitic draw, a normal draw that's there all the time. 
It's sucking down the battery. Uh, in the old days, all you had was maybe a clock, but now you've got a clock, a radio, you've got at least 10 computers in your car, which all require power to stay alive and hold their memories. So you want to have that checked. So check your car for a parasitic draw. And understand as well that when you get your car boosted, that doesn't recharge your battery. All it does is get your engine running. And unless you were going to go for a three-hour drive, that battery's you know, 20 minutes later, it's going to be pretty much as, as flat as what it was in the first place. So then when you park it, and again, wait the next day, it's not going to start because it's really in no better shape. Or the bat- maybe the, uh, the battery is actually bad. Right. So at the end of the day, you know, if you get it to start, um, take it over to your local service facility, have them check out the condition of the battery, check out the charging system, make sure everything's working as it should, and then you're going to get satisfaction. Okay. I got a really great question here. Or, or the other ones were bad. No, oh, this is the last one. Well, you know one. what? The poop one wasn't such a great hot question, <laughs> but, but seriously. Okay. All right. I drive a 1990 Cadillac sedan. Uh-huh. The air conditioning is getting weak. I understand that you can't get Freon anymore. How do you charge the air conditioning system? Well, first of all, you have to, to do it properly. You have to check to see if there's a leak, okay? Yeah. And if there's a major leak, then it doesn't pay to just to have someone put gas in it. It's because, 20 years old. Right, exactly. Um, there are alternative fuels or alternative refrigerants yeah. that you can add to the system now. And if you're really handy, I shouldn't be saying this, you can actually go down to the store and find this cans of this stuff, and you can do it yourself. They sell it as a, a do-it-yourselfer do kit, and you could try that route. So it's, it's, it's not Freon. It's what is something else, the way they put it in? Well, Freon is a generic word. It's like, like Kleenex, right? Okay. It's, it's facial tissue, really. And the same thing here. It's, it's, you're looking for a refrigerant gas that you are able to add to the system. Okay. So the reality is go, go to a professional. <laughs> that's the reality. Or go see your neighbor because, and, and that's the crux that we always have, eh? Where anybody can buy their own parts and put them on their car, but if Dave or I have to do it, we, we have, have to maintain a license. We have to pay a licensing <laughs> fee. And uh, so, you know, we're registered guys and we have to do it properly. My husband keeps reminding me to turn everything off when I shut down the car. Why? You know what? I, I often wonder why people do that. I've seen it myself. Um, the only important one that I see is, is the windshield wipers in the, in the wintertime, where you want to make sure those are off, because if it does snow overnight and you don't check to see if the arms are loose, you're going to break one or break the linkage and cause a big problem. What's that called? That's called the, the, tra- the train? The, it's the transmission. The transmission. The wiper yeah. transmission. Yeah, the wiper transmission. If you break that, it could be very costly. And uh, But otherwise, I mean, yeah, I've seen people do that, where they, they turn the radio off, they turn the heater off. I, yeah. I don't know why. Actually, no. I guess it's the same school of thought. Did you ever see where people will rev up the car before they shut it off? I've seen that, yes. That's another one, too. I have no idea who, right? who decided to do well, that. Well, you know, I've even seen things where if the car is sitting in the driveway and it's pointing downhill, uh-huh. it won't start. He's got to do it backwards so that the, the, the gasoline is actually running out of the tank and into the uh, reserve. We're going to have to consult the Dave's Corner Garage crystal ball to figure that okay, one out. Okay, so we got, uh, that's about it. I'm not going to give you any more. I got the whole lesson, but we're not going to do that. We Afterwards, also, we're yeah. going to change pace. Yes. We're going to be talking to Elliot Silverstein from CAA South Central Division about my pace. Or is it his pace or your pace? I love my pace. You love it. (laughs) This is Dave's Corner Garage. We'll be right back. All 
righty. We have uh, Elliot. So I can't speak English anymore. Elliot Silverstein. <laughs> I forgot how to speak English. Elliot, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I am happy because I saved like a fortune. Uh, within the year, in the coming up, I saved six hundred and eighty dollars on insurance rather than paying twenty five hundred squares. I'm and, so happy. <laughs> and we hear a lot of that. We're hearing from a lot of people saving a lot of money moving over to CAA MyPace. So you were you you were actually pay them. I'm sorry. You actually allow them to pay by user rather than by uh, behavior. Right. So our, our program, CA MyPace, so really the, 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 uh, the structure is that if you're driving 9,000 kilometers or less, if you're less than 9,000 kilometers a year, um, and what we do is we measure your kilometers driven. So what you'll see is that um, you'll be billed for every 1,000 kilometers you drive. So if you're only driving a couple hundred kilometers a month, you won't see a bill for a couple of months. Whereas, um, you know, again, with your, your traditional auto insurance policy, you're paying monthly or paying that, that flat rate one time a year. So there's a great opportunity to save money if you are driving less than 9,000 kilometers a year. Well, I think for the most part, especially now, we're, we're, we've gone to a, our third lockdown now. I mean, the last year, um, people's driving habits have changed considerably. So there's going to be a huge difference in, in, in how much they're, they're driving and saving. There is a huge, huge impact, and we've seen year over year about 300% increase in the interest in my pace alone. And, and that just tells us very clearly that people's behaviors and their patterns are very much changing. And there's really no downside to CAA my pace because really if you're qualifying in terms of the kilometers driven, we're simply measuring your kilometers uh, and, and charging you accordingly. So really, you know, being able to put some money back in your own pocket is a great thing, especially during these challenging times. Elliot, you have actually given back money in the year of 2020. We've given back money in 2020, and we're going to be doing it again in 2021. So last year we had uh, provided a, uh, a 10% uh, relief uh, for auto and home insurance, as well as a cumulative $150 back uh, for, for our auto insurance customers. In 2021, uh, we're moving forward. We're going to be taking that and uh, providing uh, off the top a 15 cumulative uh, percent relief. So you'll be seeing from what would traditionally be your cost, a 15% reduction in that total. So you'll see it uh, uh, coming up this year for, for our existing policyholders, as well as for uh, new customers that will be moving on to uh, CAA. So you actually are going not by the, uh, let's say the, the, what's the word for it's, it? His behavior does not really affect his insurance. Well, it, you know, when it comes to CA my pace and, 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 the, and the catches, you're going to be seeing a lot of conversations now that the regulator has, has uh, changed some rules around user-based insurance. Yes. So, so some, of these, some of these programs that will be out there, they'll be talking about ways to save money, potentially for, for driving safe. Um, the, the question is, is, you know, are you paying more if things are detected as bad behaviors? And that's the big question that consumers need to ask because you know we we are very transparent that, that we're looking at it from the perspective of kilometers only so if you are shopping around you are looking at options it's important to ask the question that is it simply a, a measure of saving money or is there potentially you may pay more based on the habits uh, or, or the information that it is collected well exactly and, and people are concerned about big brother knowing too much now when you sign up for my pace you get a package in the mail and you want to explain what they get Absolutely. So what you'll get is you get some information and you'll get a device that you will plug into your onboard dash um, you just have underneath your steering column. You plug it in, you get it going. Um, you can uh, check out your information uh, on a portal or on an app to, to get your information, but you will receive email. Basically, once you've got that, that device plugged in with a couple of uh, minor steps, 
you're ready to go and there's no additional requirements needed, you will be contacted um, at about 750 kilometers at your uh, beginning mm-hmm. to run out of kilometers. Right. Yep. And again, just short, sh- shortly before 1,000 kilometers when you'll get billed. And so b- to be clear on this, the only information you are collecting is the the uh, kilometers and time that people are driving. You're not, so the, you're, you're not looking at speed. You're not looking at braking. You're not looking at anything like that, correct? So when it comes to my pace, the only factors that we are considering when it comes to the, to the cost of your insurance program, um, I mean, again, we will ask the basic questions you'll get as you would for any standard insurance policy about, about a lot of the, the pieces you would answer, like any company. But when it comes to the actual um, measurement of the cost and when you're being charged, it's based on your kilometers driven. And that is the factor of when you get billed and how much you get billed based on the information you provided and the information that, uh, and the kilometers tracked by the device in your vehicle. Well, so many people nowadays, I mean, it would be a big concern, I guess, because, I mean, I came down the parkway today, and everybody's driving at least 10 or 15 Ks over the limit. Yeah, they do. But but, but, but your device is not looking at that whatsoever. So not not, not in terms of costing, no. So really what it down, comes down to us, for us is costing. So again, there, there are pieces within, within our program. CA has a number of programs. We have CA Connect, we have CA MyPace. And some of those programs do allow you to get information to understand your behaviors, uh, to understand some of that diagnostic information. But at the end of the day, you know, from our from our perspective, from our position, we've always taken it that we are looking at it as a way for consumers to save money. So that's why we, we really positioned ourselves over the last three years since launching this product, that this is a way for people who qualify to save money. Do they look at all about secondary or drivers or anything like that, or is it like any other policy? So, so again, it, it, it is it is t- it is tied to the to the particular. Uh, so when you when you when you put in the device, you've got to register in. You've got to do like a standard insurance. So you want you want to make sure that you know you provide all the information, and and that's why we always encourage you to talk to uh, directly to a CAA agent or to talk to a broker to understand how the car is going to be used, see how it's going to be, uh, um, um, you know, where where it's staying, where it's going, um, to, to find what the best option is for you. So really, I think that's what it comes down to is that you know again we find a lot of people that are. That are you know cut down to one car, so it's great for people that are, are using one vehicle among let's say two or three people in, in a household. Um, whereas for some, they may choose to stay keep one car on a traditional policy and one on a, on a my pace policy because um, one vehicle is being driven less. Actually, I have a question too. Uh, people have been concerned that uh, you know the Ministry of Transportation in a lot of cases have been closed down in terms of the the license offices, and the, people were told that they didn't necessarily have to. You know, re- not reinsure, but but get new stickers for their cars. Or in certain cases, I, I've known some elderly people who weren't able to go for their their relicensing. This is not going to affect my pace coverage, correct? No, I mean at the end of the day, what it comes down to is you need to make sure that you're you're up to date. So even though you may not have a sticker issue, um, you know there are still licenses being issued. There are still other things that the ministry is taking care of. So you need to make sure that you are in good standing. So I know that when it comes to the to the the, uh, the sticker on the on your license plate. Um, that there there has been an allowance to to pay it later, but you're still going to have to be uh, up to date at some point. But driver's license renewals, you're still getting those requirements. Those can be done online. It's critical that you have valid a valid license. It's critical you make sure that you are doing your part, that you're not taking a holiday from from the requirements that every driver should have. So myself, I had to get my driver's license renewed. It did take a little bit longer than I would have thought. It did take a couple of months to get here, but it did arrive. So um, you know, again, it's important for the, for the consumer to make sure that. They're not letting things lapse because you don't want to be in a situation where you don't have a valid driver's license or without valid insurance. You know, there's one thing that what's interesting is 
I have almost four cars, and I will have probably seven cars with my pace because I use them as different vehicles rather than daily daily cars. It's me more of a hobby, and it's so cheap. It's all it's less than four hundred dollars to buy the policy, and then you pay so much as you use it. So and, go ahead. Yeah, I was saying, and the beautiful part is 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 that, is that you know for, for yourself, you're you're able to have full coverage on each one of them. Yeah. So for, pay, so for paying that amount. You, you know, whether, whether you drive 100 kilometers or 10 kilometers in a month, you're still getting the exact same coverage, full coverage for, for your, your, your vehicle. So all, all four or all seven of them, whichever, whichever you already have on your, on your policies, um, you, you will end up having full coverage. And, and that's an important piece because over the pandemic, a lot of people have considered downscaling their insurance but not necessarily going back and, and returning it when they get back to their, to their regular habits. How do they get in touch with you? Best place to go is caamypace.com. Good stuff. And I, like I say, I'm one of your biggest fans. I, try, I, I hustle that stuff to anybody who asks. And we appreciate it always. <laughs> it's great stuff. My pace is, uh, is really phenomenal. Saved us really uh, almost $2,500 this month. And our digestive pace is going to return back to normal next week. Did you know that? I didn't know that. You ask Elliot. He can tell you. I agree. <laughs> All right, take care everybody. And uh, we'll be right after the we'll be right back after this break. Thank you. All righty, we're back, and this will be the last, uh, I guess, the last segment. The last segment. Um, big recall from Honda. Any, any, you know, I, I don't know what's wrong. Do you have a Honda? It's, <laughs> it's getting recalled. It's getting recalled. They're actually going to recall 628,000 vehicles. What years? Between uh, anything with uh, actually 2019 and 2020. They're going to recall them because of faulty uh, fuel pumps and fuel pump uh Feeder pipes. Okay, so if right. you're, uh, I think they would rust out, wouldn't they? Was that the car where they would rust out? They used to do that years ago. They used to have rust problems, but well, not anymore. Anyways, and also uh, uh, Chrysler mm-hmm. is going to have something with the the heavy duty diesel Ram Tele trucks. Um, what's happening there is that the thing can actually catch fire, and they're telling you don't park your car in the garage, park it on the street. Wow, you really want, uh, you'd hate to have what that have to happen, eh? Yeah, bottom line. Okay, and uh, not right now the uh, Dealers Association and the uh, Canadian, the what's called Canadian Automotive Dealers Association is trying to get the government to set up uh, $5,000 to $3,000 credit uh, to buy electric vehicles. Okay. They really want to start pushing these these products. Well, some of the manufacturers uh, have already stated that, you know, within the next five years, they will not be producing gas engines anymore. Yeah. Uh, 2030 is actually the limit with, without regular cars. From what I understand, too, from talking to people in the construction business now, that they've changed part of the electrical code. So now they have to make sure that they provide enough electricity in the guy's house in case he wants to put in a charge station. Interesting. Yeah, because in an old house, it could cost thousands of dollars to retrofit it. Eh? Well, they're guaranteed, in the States, they're guaranteeing half a million uh, at charging stations. Biden wants to go crazy and, and, and have electric vehicles as a majority. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they're going to build 500,000 charging stations. Well, you know, with the big picture, the big question is, Dave, how are they going to produce the electricity? That's a problem. <laughs> Mr. Biden's <laughs> going to use coal. <laughs> We're not going to be any further ahead, eh? Well, I don't think it's going to go that fast. I think it's going to take at least 20 years of, of uh, electric cars coming. The, 
into the marketplace. Well, sure, because people think that it doesn't happen overnight. No, um, I heard someone talking about in you know days before there were cars. Even you know there were still cars and horses sharing the road for at least ten years. Yes, they were. That's correct. And even old cars when they had modern cars at those times, say in the forties, mm-hmm. right after the war, they still had cars out there which were twenty years old. Right, you'd see right? cars from the time. Well, because there was a time in between where they didn't produce any cars. Yeah, for quite a while. For quite a while. And speaking of not producing cars, uh, Ford is actually still building F-150s, but not uh, finishing them because they cannot get the... Uh, Microprocessors, the chips. Right. Yeah, the apparently chips. they're only having problems with chips. They're all having a problem actually with foam, too, right now, yeah, apparently. Yeah, seats. Can't get products. Can't get product. I talked to my friend at the Chesterfield shop, and he said they're having problems getting inventory because as much as they want to... They have frames. They have springs. They have fabric. They got no foam. They're in trouble. Yeah, and the same kind of foam that goes into a car seat. Interesting stuff. So that's about it. Um, I have nothing else for us. I'm done. If you're driving a a big tank, you know, one of them big truck, big, uh, what do they call it? The big container ship? Yes. Don't try to make a U-turn in the US, the Suez Canal. Just It's too big. <laughs> it ain't going to work, and you're going to stop world traffic. Can you traffic. imagine how much money was lost with that ship being stuck at the... Uh, uh, Huge amounts of money. Yeah. Just unbelievable. And you know what? The, the long cut, because the Suez Canal is the shortcut through there, eh? You know, if you want to go the long route, it takes two and a half weeks extra. To go around the... Uh, yeah, there you go. Fascinating. So no U-turns. I, I hate it when people do that in the intersection. Do you? You know, you think <laughs> they're going to make a left and then they make a U-E? Do you find that you have uh, more problems people doing maintenance and not doing or not doing maintenance? In a lot of cases, because they're coming in and saying, you know what, um... I need you to report back to me as much as, you know, it, it's been four months or five months since I've been here. I may have only put on a 1,000 or two kilometers. Yeah, exactly. So I'm going to cut back. I said, you know, I, I only fill up my car once a month now. Well, I, in my case, I can't even check the oil. It's all electronic. There you go. Right? So, it, you know, best to, there, there's a thing in the glove box called an owner's manual. Yes. An, you know? What do we always say? RTFM. Exactly right. What's the F stand for, Dave? I'm not going to go there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you to our guests. Uh, the F is for now. We got to run. All right, we got to go. Good night, everybody. Have Drive a great safe day and uh, stay home and wear a mask. There you go. We'll be back next week for more another edition of Dave's Corner Garage. This has been an exclusive podcast of Dave's Corner Garage. Heard every Saturday morning from ten to eleven on Zoomer Radio, the new AM seven forty.